Hey, so you might already know this if you've been listening along each week, but this is the last episode of The Turnaround. And I don't know about you, but I have had a blast making this season. We're beginning work on our next season, but before we jump right back into it, I want to take a second, pause, and ask you, our listener, for some feedback. What was your favorite episode of The Turnaround? What could we do better? Most importantly, what do you want to hear next? If you have any thoughts, please email us at hello at thegrowthshow.com. I promise that we'll read every email. Okay, let's get on with the show. You're going to have to forgive me for some nostalgia here. I've spent the last few months chasing down these stories of major comebacks, and it's got me thinking. Humans love underdogs. It's really a strange impulse, but we do. I mean, if you really think about it, we're torturing ourselves rooting for someone who's statistically destined to fail. But it also makes so much sense that we love when they don't fail. Because you can't really understand achievement without suffering through defeat. Without loss, our entire existence loses shape. And, in a lot of ways, it loses purpose. So these stories we've been telling, about turnarounds, they really remind us that we have the possibility to be a better version of ourselves. When we watch someone hit the ground hard and then pick themselves up, it's a potent reminder that we can do that too. We've been telling these big stories this season. We talked about an entire industry when we told you the history of absinthe. In Market Basket, we introduced you to tens of thousands of loyal grocery store employees and customers. So for this last little bit of the season, we decided to go smaller. Today, we're telling you the story of one person. Kristen? Yes. Hey, how are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. Hey, thanks for taking the time to do this. Yeah, my pleasure. This is Kristen Kish. I met her a few months ago when she was home in Ocala, Florida, visiting for her mother's birthday. And if you listen really closely, you can hear her parents cooking dinner in the background. Because the deal is that my mom and dad are going to cook dinner tonight. And then Sunday on her actual birthday, my brother and I will cook her dinner. Kristen was born in Seoul, in South Korea. But she was adopted when she was four months old. She grew up in Michigan, and when she graduated from high school, she decided to go to business school. And it was just horrendous. I hated every moment of that experience. And so my mom was like, she saw, like, I kind of spiraled into this depression, right? Yeah. And so she saw her child just kind of losing their passion for anything. And she's like, wait a minute, but you love cooking. Her mom was right. Kristen had been obsessed with cooking shows since she was five years old. Her mom encouraged her to apply to culinary school in Chicago, only a few hours away from home. It was the closest big city that I had available. And, you know, they had a Le Cordon Bleu school there. And so my mom was like, let's go. And so we went, my mom, my dad, and myself hopped in the car, went to the school, got a tour, and that was that. And I went the next year. Le Cordon Bleu is the largest network of culinary and hospitality schools in the world. It's not an easy place to study, and Kristen definitely didn't make it easier for herself. My day kind of started around 6 a.m. Like I would double up on classes because I was like, I need to get out of school and like I need to like do something and get going. 
So I doubled up on classes most of my days starting around 6 a.m. and probably ending around 6 p.m., 5 p.m. So basically one class was roughly five hours. So for say Baking 101, you had three hours in the kitchen and two hours in the classroom. For her entire life, Kristen has struggled with the idea of perfection. So even while she was doing double time at culinary school, she was faced with the reality that her life didn't really match up with what she had planned. Like all growing up, I was like, my life has to be X, Y, and Z. I have to be married by this age. I have to have kids. I have to have this kind of car. I have to live in this kind of house. I have to make this salary. Um, And as opposed to chasing things that I was passionate and confident about, I was chasing what the ideal of success was. And I also at the time and since I can remember, was also struggling with my sexuality. So add that on top of the fact that in my mind, success meant, you know, getting married and having kids and doing this kind of thing. It was like that just spiraled so much more into my depression and anxiety about life and thinking that I was never going to be happy. Yes, I had found cooking as a fantastic medium, but I wasn't humble enough and I wasn't secure enough in myself to just be a cook. I was going after the chef jobs and I was going after executive chef and sous chef, like all these things I was wildly unqualified for. Yeah. And I had no patience for the process. Like I had no patience to humble myself. A cycle began to emerge. Kristen would apply for a job she wasn't qualified for, not get it, feel inadequate, scoff at the job she was actually qualified for, apply for another reach job, not get it, and then feel even more inadequate. When she eventually did get a job as an executive chef, it wasn't the life-changing position that she thought it would be. It's a poorly run restaurant, and that's when drugs and alcohol came into play when I was Mm. 19. Wow. And so, yeah, you know, I had the confidence to talk myself up because I was doing drugs, and I was getting this false sense of confidence. She was going out pretty much every night. And when she wasn't going out, She was sitting in her apartment, looking around, and realizing that she hadn't earned anything. The restaurant ended up shutting down just four months after she began working there. That moment collided with the fact that my lease was coming to an end, and my mom and dad were like, no more. Get your ass back home. You either either can get a job. We don't care if you work at McDonald's. Just get a job, and we'll help you, continue to help you, or you're coming home. And again, couldn't humble myself, so I went home. We'll be back for the rest of Kristen's story after the break. When I was a teenager, I had this kayak. One day, paddling up the coast, a tourist offered me $5 to take him out to the point. And it made me think, maybe I could do this for a living. But of course, back then, I didn't know anything about starting a business like sales, marketing, strategy. But today, with that same dream, I'd have HubSpot Academy. They offer entire courses as well as shorter individual lessons on blogging, user experience, inbound marketing, sales, and Facebook marketing, plus a lot more. And the best thing is, it's all free. Go to HubSpot.com grow to sign up for your first class and get started growing your own business. Again, that's HubSpot.com grow. Sign up and build your business better. While she was working at her first executive chef job, Kristen had spiraled out of control. After the restaurant shut down, her parents gave her an ultimatum. Get a job. 
any job or come home. She moved back home for the next four months. I did nothing. I didn't see friends. I didn't want to see friends. I was ashamed. Um, I was embarrassed. You name it. Like, I was just not good. And I remember sitting in, like, the office areas um, on the computer, Googling jobs, because my parents were like, you get one more shot at this and we'll help you out. And so I was like, Boston, that sounds, that sounds great. Um, and I think it sounded semi-familiar because we had gone, like, visited when I was a kid and, like, an eighth grade trip one year, you know, we did. Yeah. like the whole like, history thing. And so we made a stop in Boston, whatever. And so I went uh, and I started looking at jobs in Boston. Her parents gave her a three-month deadline to find a job. And so even though Kristen's first impulse was to chase the executive or sous chef positions again, she accepted a position as a line cook. This time in her life wasn't perfect or easy by any means, but she actually began building a sense of independence, little by little. And I do remember this moment where over time I started, uh, you know, I started like contributing more to my rent or like paying this one bill. But the moment that I bought myself an iPhone and came off of my parents, the very first iPhone and came off my parents' phone plan, I was like, holy shit. And mind you, this is like, yeah. late 20s. like it wasn't at 18. It was sure. like, so it was this moment after all this other stuff that I, I was like, wow, I kind of feel proud. That momentum built. But a few jobs later, Kristen found herself at yet another crossroad. A project she had been part of had just ended. She had just gotten out of a relationship. Her lease was ending soon. And she was also still struggling with her sexuality. And I was like, God, I want to like move to London or like maybe Dubai and like go work in this, at the Savoy. Like they just did this gorgeous renovation. A friend of hers was working at the time at a restaurant called Stir, headed up by Barbara Lynch. Barbara Lynch is one of the most popular chefs in the world. Kristen's friend suggested that she apply and stick around for at least a year before running off to live on the other side of the world. Kristen met Barbara, and they clicked. It wasn't long before Kristen was working there. The Stir's concept, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's, it's one room, it's 10 seats. Uh, we are all basically having a dinner party together. And so Barbara would come in and we would do dinners together once in a while. So like, you know, I would assist her and like make sure she was all set up so she could roll in, do the dinner, say hello, shake some hands, and then she could leave and make her job as easy as possible. And so our very, I think it was, I don't know, maybe a, a month, a couple months into me working there, she was set to come in. The theme was birds and burgundy. It was Barbara and Kat Salieri, who is her wine director. So like the two big wigs of this yeah. company, right? the food and the wine. And I remember like she calls and she's like, you got, you know, like, listen, I know we have this dinner. I'm really busy. Like, can you just, can you pull together a menu and, you know, whatever. And I was like, oh, okay. And then, so I did, I, I ordered everything in the day came, I'm prepping all during the day and she rolls in. And I'm like briefing her on the menu. I'm like, all right, chef, this is what's up. Like, th here, this is how it's going to go. Like, I'll have everything ready. And like, she can, she, she's going to put on the show. Right. And so I'm just going to make sure everything goes smoothly. And so about midway through the dinner, a couple courses in, she literally stopped the dinner and was like, I can't take credit for this. I don't know why I'm leading this class. She was like, this is all Kristen. And I was like, wow. And so in that moment, there was that shift about, about 45 minutes into the dinner where all of a sudden my I stepped forward and she stepped back, wow. which was like, I mean, mind blowing. And, and then after that, like 
Barbara just, we jived the way we worked. Like I made sure she had everything she needed. She made sure I was taken care of. Barbara knew Kristen was dating a woman before anyone else in Kristen's life. That's how close they were. Which is why when Barbara suggested that Kristen sign up for the TV show Top Chef, you might expect Kristen to trust her. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) No, she came back and... She was like, okay, you know, we, they were asking if I had any female chefs that would be good. And she was like, I, I told them about you. And I was like, oh, God. She was like, you're going to go do it. And I was like, no, I'm not. And she was like, just take the first phone call with like casting producers. And I did. And so it just started happening really quickly. All of a sudden, like one phone call, I was like scheduling on a next one. And the next one, all of a sudden, you're flying out to LA to like interview. And you're like, wait a minute. And so I was just kind of going along. Yeah. I had agreed to go along for the ride. Had I agreed yet to actually do the show? No, because it wasn't 100% offered to me yet. So all of a sudden it was like, okay, we want you. And I was like, fuck it. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I just did all this. Like you just kind of blindly say yes. And Barbara, I think it was printed and I think in the New York Times or something, but she later said she would have dragged me to set if I refused to go. But she didn't have to. She didn't have to. No, I did. I, 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 I said the final yes. Kristen had grown up obsessively watching cooking shows. Now she was going to star in one. Top Chef is a pretty standard reality TV show. Here's how it works. Chefs compete against each other in a bunch of different settings and are eliminated one at a time by a panel of judges. About halfway through each season, the format changes for one episode, which is called Restaurant Wars. In this episode, all the remaining contestants are split into two teams, and those teams have 48 hours to transform a completely empty space into a full-blown restaurant. Kristen was the head of her team. Her team struggled throughout the episode. And from the way it was edited, it really looked like it wasn't Kristen's fault. It looked like her teammate, Josie, had botched the dish she was responsible for. Regardless, Kristen was eliminated at the end of the episode. I wasn't perfect either. So therefore, I have no space to say that I should have stayed over somebody else. I don't. Um, If I had done everything perfectly myself, I should have led this person differently. People were mad. Kristen was one of the front runners, and viewers were really frustrated to see her go. But Top Chef has a unique quirk. When contestants are eliminated, they don't automatically go home. Instead, they enter a new phase of the competition called Last Chance Kitchen. Last Chance Kitchen is a series of head-to-head challenges where chefs compete to re-enter the main competition. And the loser? They're eliminated for good. If I win, then I stay. And then mm. I start to take on all the other people being eliminated. And so that's what happened. I did. And so I beat two people in Seattle. And then I flew to Alaska. I'd beat two more people. Wow. And then the, there was this, the natural hiatus in the show where filming stops. Everyone goes home. You get right up almost to that finale. And then they stop. Because it, then it takes seven months for this whole thing to like catch up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think they don't want people sitting with the results for too long. So I lived in purgatory for like the duration of airing. And so then like, I knew I was the front runner still in last chance kitchen, but I still had to beat a couple more people in order to get back in. And then I had to go through a couple challenges to actually make it to the finale. Kristen fought hard and earned her way into the finale against one of her closest friends in the show, Brooke. 
we're basically just on stage for four hours. And it's like, oh my God. So we were kind of in the same boat together of like, yeah. holy shit, what's going on? You're just kind of going one one next step at a time. And so during the whole thing, of course you're nervous. Of course things are happening. Of course, like in the back of your mind, you're like, this is a competition. But for me, it just felt like, <sighs> I didn't feel like I had as much pressure as I did the entire season. If you watch so many of these finales, and when she announces who wins, everyone's just like, oh, oh. <laughs> like it's so anticlimactic. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, so we're like, doing that like, now. Okay. Like <laughs> you're jumping and like, you know, you're expecting like you're popping champagne. You're so excited. Where but are the you're balloons? Just, yeah. This process is so long and it, it's exhausting. And by the time finally someone wins, you're just like, oh my God. Like it's almost this relief that it's over. After fighting for weeks to earn her place, Kristen won. Like after this finale, like they give you a minute to celebrate, like da, 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 da. And then they like whisk you off to do interviews so they can get your reaction. So like I'm being like taken away from this moment of celebration for obvious reasons that I totally understand um, to get these raw reactions sitting in an interview chair. And then it's fascinating. You go, like I literally walked back into the studio and like they're breaking down. It's kind of like, okay. Oh, that's so weird. Kristen. Yeah. That's so strange. But, you know, yeah, but like it's it's what ended up happening is then it all of a sudden became real because like the TV part was being like lights were coming down, cameras were being packed up. You walk back and you're like, holy shit, like what just happened? But then you're like, oh, wait a minute. Real life is going to happen now. You know what I mean? Like right. this part's over, but real life gets to take over. She had a few choices to make. She could travel the world. She could write a book. She could even get on another show. But she decided to go back to Boston. Barbara offered her a position at a popular restaurant in the city, Montan, and she accepted. But a familiar feeling began cropping up. She had come out to close friends and family, but at work, in Boston, she was still closeted. I have this perfect job. I have a job that everyone would die to would have. Would kill for, yep. I had just come off a TV show. I had won it. Like, the restaurant is packed. People are, like, coming into the kitchen, like, gushing and, like, so happy to be there and, like, mm -hmm. going out to the dining room and taking pictures and and I was like, something about my cooking is being sacrificed. And again, like I felt like that old pull again that I had struggled with the what look what it looks like from the outside as opposed to what it feels like on the inside. And like two different uh, lives. Yeah. And I and then I had this epiphany and I told Barbara, I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I quit. <laughs> wow. What did you quit yeah. to do? Well, I quit not really having another job. I, I was definitely busy and very lucky to have a lot of trips and um, people paying me to support their brands or like go here and go there. And I unemployed myself in the most traditional sense to become infinitely more employed in the non-traditional sense. <laughs> um, and I've literally been riding that wave for three and a half years. Yeah. Since. I, can, I can't even tell you, it is the best learning experience. Like the day that I open up my restaurant, the day that I do something like, I guess, more traditionally, I'm going to do it so much greater because I had these three and a half years of just discovering myself, discovering what I wanted, what I didn't want, and new experiences inside the kitchen and outside the kitchen, which, I mean, it, it's been the most brilliant education that I've ever had. Kristen came out publicly in 2014, kind of by accident. She was celebrating her one-year anniversary with her girlfriend and didn't realize that posting a photo of the two of them on Instagram would be such a big deal. 
Coincidentally, a New York Times profile on her and Barbara came out the next day, and it casually mentioned Kristen's girlfriend. And that was that. I think so many people say, and I've and I, I believe it to an extent, you know how people are like, everything happens for a reason. Right, I believe that 100%. But I also believe more than that, recognizing a tiny seed of opportunity mm-hmm. and taking that and curating it into the way that it works for you. Because nothing just happens to us. We, we are in full control of the direction of which we want to go. And so to assume that just everything's happening for a reason, like you have some something really shitty happen and you're like, well, this is just, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. But it's like, then seeing the seed of opportunity or the seed of like some form of bit of information that you're able to take and then transform into a way that positively impacts your life. I think that's what started to happen for me. Like everything just didn't start going up and up and up at that point. But what it gave me was a tool to see what was going on and to recognize and pay more attention to what was going on in my life and how it was impacting me. And now I just, I feel like I feel so free in every aspect of my life. This episode was produced by Kieran Peterson, and we wanted to give a few shout outs to some people at HubSpot who helped make this season happen. People like Corey Wainwright, Matthew Brown, Tyler Litwin, Jamie Edding, Alicia Collins, Kelly Hendrickson, Laura Middleman, Rex Gelb, Henry Franco, Americo Montero, Amanda Zantel Weiner, Tova Miller, and Ellie Botello. Thank you guys so much for your help. And obviously, a huge thank you to Kristen Kish for sharing her story. Kristen actually just announced that she's opening her first restaurant in Austin, Texas. It's called Arlo Gray, and doors open this spring. Good luck getting a table. Finally, I want to say thank you to you, the listener. This season's been awesome, and I can't wait to tell you about what's to come. Keep an eye on this feed to hear it first. I'm Megan Keeney-Anderson, and see you soon. <laughs>